Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. What's going on, Cornerstone family? Make some noise wherever you're at. If you're excited to be worshiping today, man, uh, uh, so pumped to share today's sermon with you. Uh, if you're excited, let us know in the comments uh, right now. Give a little thumbs up, a little fire emoji, whatever you want to use. Whatever is your excited emoji of choice, put it in right now, all right? Uh, I have been looking forward to preaching this sermon. We're in part three of our series, Wisdom, Wisdom. Hey, let us know in the comments too, are you feeling smarter? Are you feeling enlightened through what we've been talking about? If you're feeling a little bit smarter, we've been looking at wisdom and I'm just gonna give a real quick cliff notes of where we've been so far uh, as we've been going through the series. So part one, Pastor Brenda shared with us, uh, she opened up this series talking about what godly wisdom actually looks like, that it is, uh, it's pure and it's merciful and it's submissive and it's kind uh, because that's pretty countercultural to what we consider uh, to be wise, right? And that, that's how God works. He is countercultural in a lot of ways. He's counter to what feels natural to us. And so we looked at what God's wisdom truly is week one. And then last week I shared how we can actually incorporate wisdom into our life. Once we find out what it is, how we can actually make it a part of our lives. And that starts by asking the right questions. That so often we ask ourselves, like, what can I do? What's permissible? Like, how, how far up to the line can I get before I cross it? That's typically what we ask, and that's not a very wise question. That instead of asking what's the right thing to do, we should start asking what's the wise thing to do. Like what's the wise thing to do in life considering where I've been, where I'm at, and where I wanna go in life? What is the wise thing for me to do? Now today, what we're going to be shifting towards, and we're really gonna be building off last week. That's why we tell you these are series. These are collections of sermons because they all tie together. So if you miss one, you're missing something. So if you've missed week one or week two, don't let my little Cliff Notes recap be it. Like go back and watch those so you can see what we've been discussing and talking about. But today we're really gonna build on last week and that idea of asking ourselves, what's the wise thing for me to do? That's very, it's a very good question, right? That's the wise question that we should be asking ourselves. But I want to challenge you. I wanna challenge everybody up on stage and I wanna challenge myself to answer this question. How honest is my answer? How honest is my answer? Whenever I ask myself, okay, not what's the right thing, but what's the wise thing to do? Whenever I answer that question, how honest am I actually being? So with that in mind, I wanna swear everybody in, right? You ever watch a courtroom show or anything like that? They swear people in beforehand, make sure that they know what they're getting ready to do. So I want us all to be honest with ourselves. So it is time to swear in wherever you're at. You can put in a little like hand up emoji to like signify that you're, you're taking the oath right now, okay? Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God? You do? Awesome, great, then let's dive in today. Now that we're all sworn in and we're all being honest with ourselves, what we're gonna be doing today, we're gonna be looking at the life of Samson. Samson, I'll just give you a little quick uh, rundown of his life. Samson is a, a guy who was born kind of between two periods. He's, be, he's born uh, after the Israelites, the God's chosen people have escaped Egypt, but it's before they really have become their own nation and their own superpower and their own kingdom. So he's, 
He's born in the in-between, right? And Samson is what is called a judge. He was a ruler of the nation of Israel for a period of time. He did some incredible things, but towards the end of his life, uh, he, he gave into sin, saw himself captured by the enemies he was sworn to defeat, the Philistines, God's, uh, the enemy of God's people. And that's where we pick up. I just want to read this one part real quick. We don't have to put it up on the screen at the moment. I just want to read this real quick. This is from the end of Samson's life, okay? Just, just listen to what uh, uh, this says. While they, the Philistines, were in high spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. You see, they had captured Samson and made a, a spectacle of him. Bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of prison and he performed for them. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. So he's here, he's, he's made a spectacle in front of uh, God's enemy, in front of his enemy, the Philistine people. They're mocking him, they're jeering him, and he leans up against these pillars. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there, and the roof uh, had about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. And then Samson prayed to the Lord, sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me get one blow, get revenge on the Philistines. These are some of Samson's final words that he speaks in his life. Please, God, remember me and strengthen me. So what I want us to do in the remaining uh, a bit of our time together is I want us to see how we can both avoid and embrace Samson's fate in our own life. Because there's some things that happen to Samson that I'm like, man, I don't want that in my life. I want to avoid the same pitfalls he had. But in some ways, I want to make sure I'm embracing the stuff that Samson got right and that I apply that in my own life. So that's my prayer for me. That's my prayer for you. In fact, wherever you're at, let's bow our heads right now and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would be with us in this moment, that you would give us guidance that you would help me, that you would bless my words that I'm about to speak today, that this would not be Jacob Young up here preaching, but this would be your word, your word, not mine, and that, God, you would help illuminate it in the hearts of everyone who is listening right now so that these don't just become words that we heard, you know, one Sunday back in July of 2020, but these become uh, 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 true pieces of your wisdom that we apply in our life going forward and that we allow to transform us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. We love you, Father, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. So how honest are you? And how honest am I? How honest are we with our answers? Has anyone um, ever like you kind of shape your answers to get the response that you want? Or you know what I mean? Like the online quizzes that are out there that are all like, it's only a Facebook thing, which I don't know why that is, but it's like just a Facebook thing. There's quizzes for everything, right? Like what character from the office are you? What kind of bread are you? Like there's just, there's so many weird quizzes out there, right? What Disney princess are you? They're all over the place. And it's funny because we like shape our answers and it's almost subconscious. We shape them to get the answer that we want, right? So they'll ask questions like, Do, are you a conflict person or are you passive and all this different stuff? And chances are, if you're anything like me, you have an end goal of what you want to be, right? Like if you're an office person, you're like, man, I want to be Jim. Okay, so even though I love conflict, I love drama, I post, like I post stuff on Facebook and Twitter to rile drama up, and that wasn't really Jim. Jim's more like, hey, I don't really want the conflict. I just like to kind of goof around and joke. 
I'm going to answer this question so it sounds like I'm passive, so I'm more like Jim, because that's the answer I want, right? Like, we all do that kind of stuff. We don't just do it with online quizzes. We do it with our resumes, right? We're like, yes, I am proficient in Adobe Illustrator, and by proficient, we mean I know what the icon looks like to open the program, and that's it. Like, I don't know anything beyond that, but yeah, sure, I, I, I know this, right? I mean, we shape things on social media. We create the way that we look and we, you know, give an idea that our marriage is perfect and our kids are perfect and everything's perfect. We shape things to get the response that we want, to get the answer that we want. What I am getting at is that all of us, everyone watching online, everyone up here on stage, including me, we are proficient in self-deception. We're proficient in it. We lie to ourselves. We're good at it. I, my friend, Bruce Oberlin, guy here at the church, he posted a, a pretty heated debate online, right? He got a debate going this last week between what's the better uh, sitcom, Seinfeld or Friends. I like them both, but I'm a Seinfeld man. Like I'm a Seinfeld man. I love, love Seinfeld. And I saw some Seinfeld slander on there that I just wanna let y'all know. I saw it and I'm taking names. I won't forget, all right? I won't, I won't forget. <laughs> but there's an episode of Seinfeld uh, where Jerry... He's dating a cop, he's dating this woman, and he kind of lets it slip at one point that he might religiously watch Melrose Place. If you remember that show, the soap opera from the 90s, right? <laughs> he lets it slip, and so his girlfriend, this cop, is like, you, you watch Melrose Place? He's like, no, no, I don't watch it because he's embarrassed by it, right? And so she's like, all right, well, I'm gonna put you on the lie detector test down at the station, we'll find out if you actually watch Melrose Place or not. And so he's all nervous. He's like, oh my goodness. And so it strikes him. He's like, wait, my friend, George, he's like one of the greatest liars of our time. Like he's a generational talent. I got to talk to George to try to find out how to beat this lie detector test. And so he talks to George and George is like, man, I don't know what to tell you. You're just kind of born with it. And the last thing he says to Jerry is, Jerry, I just want to leave you with this. It's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> right? He's like, Jerry, it's not a lie if you believe it to be true. And I'm like, goodness sakes, is that not us? Like, is that not me and you? It's not a lie if I believe it. And man, can we lie to ourselves. We can deceive ourselves. And so whenever I think about that, and I think about what I talked about last week, let's ask ourselves, not what's the right thing, but what's the wise thing to do? That can be kind of scary because we're good at lying to ourselves. We can lie about what's the wise thing to do in this situation. Well, I actually think this would be the prudent thing and this would be the thing that God would bless. So again, how honest are our answers. How honest are we? Because if you are anything like me, you are really good at lying to yourself. And in fact, if you're anything like the people in this book, save for Jesus, you're really good at lying to yourself. Samson was very good at lying to himself. I wanna pick this up. We're gonna be in Judges chapter 13, starting verses one through five, then we're gonna jump ahead a little bit. I wanna jump into Samson's story now, okay? So we're gonna jump into his story. This is where we pick up. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of the Danites, that's all a mouthful, right? <laughs> Had a wife who was childless, unable to give birth. The angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you are barren and childless, but you are going to become pregnant and give birth to a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. 
You'll become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor. Keep that in mind. Remember that. Because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. And essentially what that means is this is a a symbolic thing, never shaving the head, never shaving hair. Um, And what it signifies is that you have zero care for yourself because you are completely and utterly dedicated to God. That's what this meant. That's what that symbolized. So dedicated to God from the womb, he will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of of the Philistines. And then we jump ahead a a couple of verses uh, to where this actually takes place, right? The woman gave birth to a son, named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. The Lord blessed him and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. So this is not a rhetorical question. I actually want you to answer this. Who blessed Samson? God, right? God. Who began to stir Samson? Who began to move in Samson? God, right? Like God is the one who began to stir him. God is the one who blessed him. In fact, if we would read ahead in the following chapters, we would see that on three separate occasions, right before Samson does something amazing, does some kind of heroic action, right before it happens, like literally right before it happens, this phrase pops up. And the spirit of the Lord powerfully came upon Samson. Three times. So before he does these amazing acts, it lets us know he did not do this on his own. He is not the source of this incredible thing. It is God, it is the spirit of God that came upon him. The problem is, is that as we read about Samson, we read about his life, it seems like, it seems like Samson began to forget who was the source of his strength. He began to forget where he actually got his power from. In fact, one would say he started to deceive himself. Self-deception, we are all proficient at this. In fact, whenever we look at Samson's life, it's incredible. We actually see from this amazing, strong man, this guy who is the leader of Israel, the leader of God's people. Do you know, we see him pray except for at the end of his life, we see in scripture, he, he prays one time, one time. And even that prayer isn't a, a prayer of thanksgiving. It's a prayer after a battle and he's incredibly thirsty and he cries out to God and says, I, we just won this victory and now you're gonna let me die of thirst, God? Like, So even his one prayer isn't a great one, right? Even his one prayer isn't acknowledging God for all that God has done. Samson began to deceive himself and began to forget where the source of his victory and of his power came from. And in that started to neglect his weaknesses. See, my kids, I've got uh, uh, three kids and uh, the two oldest, Eden and Evelyn, they're six and four. And just recently, while we've been home uh, during like this whole crazy pandemic uh, and everything going on, the house can get pretty crazy. Like it can just get real messy real quick because everyone's home all day. Like people aren't leaving, right? So especially downstairs, like the upstairs, that's like our territory. The downstairs is like, it's, it's a foreign country that is reigned over by children, right? It's like, it's a foreign land down there and kids are the judge, jury, and executioner, right? Like they rule down there. And so every now and then we have to tell them like, okay, it's time to straighten back up. We have to get things back together. And so this happened a, a couple months ago. Jessica was saying that she's like, girls, it is crazy down there. You've got to go pick up. You got to pick things up. And so she went upstairs, feed Griffin, trying to put him to sleep for a nap. And while she's doing that, the girls to me are like, please, dad, please, please just help for a little bit, please, please. And they're just, they're not stopping, right? Like, please, please. And so finally I'm like, fine, fine, I will help. I will help, I will come and help you. I don't wanna hear please dad one more time. <laughs> like I'll go and we'll go get this done. So I go downstairs with them and I'm, I'm realizing I'm the only one cleaning. 
Like, because them, as soon as they get down there and they pick something up to put it away, they want to start playing with it. And so before I know it, we're two minutes in, I'm like going around picking stuff up and they're over at the dollhouse, like, oh, no, no. And I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> I guess it's just dad cleaning. So I clean, get everything put up, and then I just uh, lay down on the couch down there and I'm on my phone while they're playing around. Well, then we hear Jessica come downstairs after uh, putting Griff to sleep and Eden kind of yells up, mom, mom, come down here, come down. So Jessica comes down and as she rounds the corner, like not kidding at all, Eden goes, look at what me and Evie did. Look how clean it is. I'm sitting on the couch. I just start busting up laughing. I'm like, look at what you and Evie did. Like you didn't do a thing. Like you didn't pick anything up, right? I'm like, man, this is incredible. Like no one had to teach Eden that self-deception. She really believed it. Like she really believed that they had done all this, that they'd cleaned it all up. And I see that in Samson and I see how Samson's like starting to believe, hey, I did this. All these victories, these are victories that I am winning. These are things that I am doing. My, I am the source of my strength. Self-deception. And this is the thing, self-deception, it is dangerous. It is dangerous and it is deadly to our spiritual life, to our emotional life, to our emotional health. It's deadly to our relationships. Self-deception is dangerous because what ends up happening whenever we deceive ourselves, whenever we deceive ourselves, whenever we're not honest about our answers, whenever we're, you know, we're asking, well, okay, God, what's the wise thing to do here? And we lie to ourselves. What we do is we end up building this, this high view of self, which always leads to a low view of God. We build up this high view of ourselves and our own capability, our own strength. We, we lower what God is and why we need him in the first place and, and why we need a savior. We start to neglect that. And as we neglect that and we build ourselves up, we just completely ignore our weaknesses. So whenever we ask ourselves, what's the wise thing to do? Weaknesses aren't even coming into our mind. Like, oh, I can handle that. I can handle being with that group of friends and they won't change me. I can drink this much and it won't affect me because I know what I can handle. And we start ignoring our weaknesses and it is deadly. It is dangerous. And it was exactly that for Samson. We're gonna continue. This is Judges 16, starting in verse four. Sometime later, he, Samson, fell in love with a woman in the Valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, see if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So Delilah goes about it, right? We're gonna skip ahead a couple of verses, but she goes about it and she, she you know, tries to get this out of Samson, what the secret of his strength is. And he kind of toys with her a little bit, but eventually gives her the full secret of how he is so strong and that it's related to this, this vow that he made to God, the, this Nazarite vow. So he makes this, this slip. He tells Delilah and it says this in scripture. When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to rulers of the Philistines, come back once more. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. Then she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before. I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But he did not know, and this is, this is one of the saddest verses in all of scripture, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. Then the Philistines seized him, gouged out his eyes and took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to the grinding stone 
in the prison. You see, Samson deceived himself. He deceived himself. He deceived himself about the source of his strength, about his weaknesses that were clearly there. You just have to read his story and see that, that women in particular were a weakness for him. He had a wife and then, then he, he sleeps with a prostitute and then he falls in love with Delilah. Like clearly he did not know women were a weakness for him and he just gave into it. He did not know that, that, that being proud and having an arrogance was a weakness for him and he gave into it. I mean, we see that. We, we, we see he forgot where his source of his strength was. He said, I'll go out as before and shake myself free. I will go out and do this another uh, amazing thing that I've done in the past as well. I will go out as before. He completely and utterly deceived himself just like I do and just like you do and we have to fight it because it is so natural for us. It's so natural for us. That's how affairs happen. They don't happen because someone's like, you know what, let me go cheat on my wife. Let me go cheat on my husband. It all starts with someone asking themselves, well, is this wise for me to hang out? Well, yeah, we're just friends. We're just friends, you know? I mean, I know, I know when to say no. I know where to stop. I know where to be careful. Not even remotely acknowledging, hey, this might be a weakness for us. Hey, this might need to be an area where we need to be incredibly careful. We ignore the group of friends that we hang out with. We ignore the, the little habits that start to build. And then three, four years down the road, we're wondering, dear God, how did I get here? And it's because we ignored it and we lied to ourselves. There's nothing wise about lying to ourselves. Emotional issues that start to build up and we make excuses for them and we, we shape our answers and we, we, we lie. <laughs> Self-deception, it comes natural to all of us. And just like Samson, what happens is we lie to ourselves, we tell, thing, tell ourselves things aren't that bad, and you know what ends up happening? We end up, like Samson, in shackles. We wind up in a prison of our own making. So again, I'm gonna ask you, how honest are your answers? When you are talking to God, whenever you are faced with a decision, life throws you a curveball and you're thinking, okay, what should I say here? What should I do here? And you ask yourself, okay, God, what's the wise thing for me to do in light of my past, in light of my current situation, in light of my future? What's the wise thing for me to do? How honest are you letting that answer be? Are you shaping it like an online quiz? Are you padding your resume? Are you ignoring weaknesses? Are you forgetting the source of your strength? How honest are your answers. Here is the good news. If you've been someone who has been lying to yourself, if you've been George Costanza, you're proficient in lying, right? If that is you and you're anything like me, you're anything like Samson, you're anything like the people we read about in scripture, the good news is we can change it. We can change it. You see, the moment we start to die to ourself, we can be honest with ourselves. The moment we start to put ourselves to death, our, our self, our ego, our pride, the moment that we start to kill it is the moment that we can truly start to be honest and come alive. This is what Jesus says. These are the words of Jesus from Luke uh, chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus tells us this. Then he said to all of them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Put that in the chat, deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me, deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. You know what that means? That means that the end of self is the beginning of wisdom. The end of myself, the moment I start to die to myself and go, you know what? My ways, they suck. They do. God, your ways are what I want. 
I don't want to follow my ways anymore. I don't want to seem, follow what seems wise to me because that wisdom is a counterfeit wisdom. It is lying. It's, it's not true. I want to follow the actual truth. The end of self is the start of wisdom. It's, it's me realizing, you know what? I know where my source is and it's not me. <laughs> I, know, I know where the, the source of all good things and all happy, happiness and, and joy in life come from and it's not from following my own direction. We realize why we need Jesus. We realize that there are weaknesses. That, okay, yeah, things may be going good in my life, but I know that this is an area where I can slip up if not for the grace of God. And this is an area where I need to be careful. We realize those things when we're honest to ourselves and we put ourselves to death. And I love how it says this, take up their cross daily. That word daily, that is so huge and that is so important to daily take up your cross. This is, this is what I get from that, from just this word, just denying daily. The first thing is this, is that my sin, the thing that keeps me out of relationship with God, sin can be forgiven instantly, but self must be killed incrementally. Like sin, it's boom. In an instant, Christ has ripped off the written code that stood against me and condemned me, and he's nailed it to his cross. It stands in the way of me and him no more. That is an instantaneous thing. But myself, my pride, the part that wants to, to reject Jesus' teachings and reject his ways and reject the life that he lived, that thing has to be killed incrementally and every single day. There's never a day where it's just done. Like it's every morning I have to wake up and go, okay, Time to grab the cross. <laughs> Time to put myself to death yet again because it is something we have to fight every single day. Sin is forgiven instantly, but self is killed incrementally. So that's what daily means. And then the other thing that daily means, and I, I love this, is that every day is a fresh brand new start to get it right. Every single day. I don't care how bad you messed up yesterday. You have today. I don't care the ways that you, 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 you let God down, you think, and you, you sinned and you, you were just so wrong, and today is a new day. Today is a brand new day to get it right. Daily, you can pick up your cross and begin to follow him. Every single day is a fresh start to get it right. And, and we see that in Samson's story, the very next verse. Judges 16, uh, verse 22. But the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. He messed up big. He messed up. He lied to himself. He deceived himself. He, he wasn't honest with his answers about what's wise for me to do in life. He forgot his source. He was stupid. But you know what? His hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. That's because daily God gives you a new chance, a, a fresh opportunity to follow him, to listen to his commands and try to do it his way. I don't know about you. I am thankful for that. I am thankful for the God of not just a first chance or a second chance, but a 102nd chance. I'm thankful for a God that since, since I gave my life to Jesus in a, in a true, real way, uh, and, uh, it was about July of 2005 at a youth conference. From then, that equals out to about 5,400 days since then. That means I've had 5,400 opportunities to die to myself daily 5,400 new opportunities every single day to step up and say, you know what, yesterday I, I, I sinned, I missed the mark, today I'm getting back on it. Today is a fresh new day for me to start again, to pick up my cross and follow Jesus. Man, if you're thankful for that, put it in the chat. Tell God you are thankful for him, that you are thankful that he is the God of not just the second chance, but the 100 second chance and the 1,000 second chance and the 10,000 second chance. Like he does not give up on you. He gives us chance after chance after chance. 
he lets our hair begin to grow again. I'm thankful for that. We have a chance to get it right. We can be honest with ourselves. We're gonna continue with Samson's story by going back to the beginning. So this is the verse that I read, the set of verses I read right at the beginning. While they were in high spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison and he performed for them. When they stood him among the pillars, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple so that I may lean against them. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there and on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, sovereign Lord, remember me. Please God, strengthen me just one more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines. Remember what I asked right at the very start of the sermon, who, who blessed Samson, who stirred Samson, who was moving in Samson? It was God. And in this moment, Samson is remembering. <laughs> in this moment, Samson is saying, okay, I'm about to literally die to myself, but God, before that, I want to emotionally and spiritually take the posture of dying to myself before you and saying, I understand none of that was me. None of that was me. Lord, strengthen me, strengthen me. I'm realizing this wasn't me. I'm realizing that on my own, I could have done nothing that I did in my life, that it's always been you. It's never been me. It's always been you working. It's always been your spirit moving in me. So God, remember me and you strengthen me one more time. You move in my life again. Samson is dying to himself. He is remembering his weakness. He is being honest. He's being honest. That is the start of wisdom, dying to ourselves and allowing God's ways and God's wisdom to reign in our life. Next verse is, then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on the temple, on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one, his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And they pushed with all of his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. And this is what I said at the beginning, whenever I said I want us to embrace but also avoid Samson's fate. Obviously, Samson shouldn't have been here. This never should have been how he went out. I, I, I'm sick of, you know, the idea that, no, all, even my sins in life aren't sins because they've led to me to where I am. No, it's sin. <laughs> it's missing the mark, right? This shouldn't have been how Samson went out. Like, he shouldn't have gone down like this. But at the same time, he still fulfilled his purpose, he still fulfilled his purpose. We just read it at the beginning of Judges whenever it says that Samson's purpose, like his mission statement in his life that the angel of the Lord told his mother is that he is going to take the lead in delivering uh, the Israelites from the hand of the Philistines and look at what he did. In one moment, in one moment, he took out more Philistines than he did in his entire life beforehand. You see, Samson's purpose was fulfilled in just this one moment of honest reliance on God. It is, it's amazing and it is incredible the impact that can happen from just one small step of obedience, what God can do with that. It's incredible. Pastor Brenda, before we met today, she was telling about uh, uh, how she's seen that work out in her own life, how just being honest and following God's true wisdom, his wisdom, not, not shaping your answers to try to get the answer that you want, but following God's wisdom, how it makes such a difference. 
her and Pastor Charlie, uh, whenever they got ready to, to come to Akron in 1977, I can remember her, she didn't share this part of it, but I can remember her begging to not come here. <laughs> like she, she didn't want to come to Akron. They were in Cincinnati at the time and she wanted to stay there. She, she loved that area. She thought that's where they were going to be and that's where they were going to raise their family and their kids and be in that church their whole life. And they got sent to Akron and she did not want to come. She didn't want to leave Cincinnati, but she prayed to God and honestly asked God, God, what is the wise thing to do here? I'm not going to try to shape the answer. I don't want myself. I know where I'm weak. I know where myself lies at, and I, I don't want that. I want your honest to God answer. What is the wise thing for me to do? And so she and my dad, they followed God's leading, and now here she is all these years later from 1977 to 2020 with how many countless lives changed in the Akron, Northeast Ohio area, how many people come to Christ during this time that may have never heard the word, may have never seen Jesus lived in the way that she has lived him out, the way that Pastor Charlie has lived them out, if they would not have listened in that one small moment. You have no idea what following God in what seems like one small area, what that will do, how that will cascade and domino effect in the years to come, how it will affect not just you, but the people around you. It matters. Being honest with ourselves matters. One small little honest step that we take can make all the world of difference. And we see that with Samson in this one moment, this one step where he realized his dependence was on God and he was honest with himself. He took out more people than he ever did in his entire life beforehand. So I'm gonna ask you one more time. How honest are your answers? How honest are you being with yourself? How honest are we truly being with ourselves whenever we ask God, what's the wise thing for me to do here? Are we trying to shape the answers to, to, to get the certain result that we want? Or are we honestly approaching God and approaching his throne and saying, God, I don't care if I hate your response. I just want it. I want the truth. I want true wisdom, not a counterfeit wisdom, not a counterfeit idea of what looks right and what feels right to me. I want your true wisdom, God. What is the right wise thing for me to do in this situation? So I would, I'd encourage you, pray, God, where are my blind spots? Where are my blind spots? Where am I relying on my ways instead of your wisdom? Where am I relying on my ways and I'm, I'm relying on what I think is right and what I think is true and what I think should be the way for things to be? Where am I relying on that rather than saying, you know what, even if I don't like what you're gonna say, I'm going to follow your wisdom and your ways. Put that in the chat. Your ways over my wisdom. Declare it. <laughs> Declare it right now. Let that be a prayer over your life. God, your ways, your ways over my idea of what wisdom looks like. I promise you, you start asking that question. You pair it with the questions we were talking about last week. What's the wise thing for me to do? And then you say, and God, show me my blind spots. Let me know if I am lying to myself, if I'm deceiving myself in any way about where my weaknesses are. If I'm building myself up, point those things out. I'm telling you, you will not recognize your life you will be such a different person because you will have true wisdom as a hallmark of, of who you are at your very core being. Wisdom will become part of your identity, a reliance on God, not a reliance on yourself. And then the last thing, just here in closing, whenever I'm honest with myself, whenever I have honest answers and I, I really you know, realize who I am and who God is, whenever I do that and I'm honest with myself, it, it empowers me to actually live out a story that I'm proud to tell. I can actually get to the end of my life and look back and go, okay, like I've, 
I've, I've, I've done something. I've made a difference. I, I lived with purpose. I lived up to the potential that God put in my heart and what he called me to. When I am honest with myself, I can write a story I'm proud to tell. Samson, for a good chunk of his life, didn't have a story that he would be proud to tell. Like I told you, the, the stuff, just, just the women, just the women. He's married, and then he sleeps with a prostitute, and then he gets tangled up with Delilah, which eventually led to his death. He did not live a life that he would be proud to tell, but because he decided to be honest with himself, because he decided to listen to God's wisdom and God's ways, he had a chance to rewrite his story. This is how the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 11, which Christians know as the famous hall of faith. This is where the writer of Hebrews describes all of the giants of our faith and what they did. This is how the writer of Hebrews records him. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. Samson is remembered as a great who, who conquered kingdoms, who administered justice, and gained what was promised. That's the story he got to tell. That's how many of us remember him now as this man who did great things on behalf of God and for his people because he was able to, in his moments, be honest with himself, acknowledge who he was and who God was and rely on him. I wanna let you know wherever you're at, it is not too late to start. It's never too late to start. God gives a fresh opportunity daily, daily. I don't care if you messed up 10 minutes ago. <laughs> You've got a fresh start right now. God is constantly giving out new chances and saying, hey, what about now? What about now? You can be honest with yourself now. You can realize your need for me now. You can realize that, that you don't have to lie to yourself anymore. You don't have to build yourself up to be something that you're not. You can rely on me to fulfill those needs in you. You can trust me. And this is the amazing thing. This is how we can trust him because he always comes through. He has never failed. He's never failed. He has always come through. We know that we can get our strength from him, that we can find our refuge in him, that we can find our help in him. And he will always, think about that word, he will always come through. He'll never let us down. He'll never let us go. We can know that he is where our help comes from. Lord, I know I cannot do this on my own. Not just, just wisdom, life. <laughs> I can't do anything on my own. I need you, God. And Lord, if there is anyone out there under the sound of my voice right now that has not yet acknowledged that need for you, Lord, I ask that you would warm their hearts right now, that you would soften them towards you and that they would realize their need and their dependency on a savior outside of themselves. That they would realize their need for you and that right now here in this moment, they would commit themselves to daily picking up a cross and following you. They may not know what that's gonna look like. They may not know what's coming up tomorrow, but they would rather face tomorrow with you in it than with you out of it. God, that's we, that's where I'm at. I want a tomorrow with you in it. So Jesus, help me daily to die to myself, to pick up that cross, to follow you, no matter what comes, no matter what life throws my way, so that I can live a wise life that I can make wise decisions that don't just better me and better my life and make me live, live a happy life with nice possessions and things like that, but actually live a life that matters. 
live a life that impacts those around me, the people in my community, the people in my family, the people at my workplace, the people in my neighborhood that makes their lives better. Help me to do that, God. Help me to die to myself, not just today, but every day. And Lord, I will give you the praise and we'll give you the honor and we'll give you the glory that no other name in the cosmos deserves but you. It's in your name that we pray. And everyone said in agreement, amen. If you're on the chat, type it in there, amen and amen. I am praying for you. I want you to be praying for me. Again, sin is gone instantly. Self needs to be killed every day, every single day. And so this is something we all as a church family need to be praying for each other for. You be praying for me, I'll be praying for you that every single day as we wake up, we would realize I can't do this on my own. I lie to myself on my own. I, I, I tell myself stories on my own. I need true wisdom and that comes from God alone. So be praying for me, I'll be praying for you. Make sure if you're new today, uh, you're making a commitment to Christ, you're deciding to follow him, anything like that, I am telling you right now, you wanna be wise, let us know about it. <laughs> let us know that you're taking this step. Even if you're recommitting, we wanna know about it. Please connect with us and you can do that at Journey Starting Point. The host is gonna be posting that in the comment section. Make sure that you check out Journey Starting Point. We don't wanna leave you hanging. Like we want to be able to walk this path with you, show you what it looks like to follow Jesus daily and to, not, to deny yourself daily. So make sure that you check out Journey Starting Point after service uh, and we'll be sure to take those steps with you and let you know what it looks like to follow Jesus. Uh, make sure you're back here next week as well. Uh, as we uh, enter into part four of our wisdom series, you don't wanna miss it. And again, if you've missed any of the previous ones, go back and check those sermons out on our podcast, or our archive, uh, and you can watch them there, uh, kind of catch up to where we're at. And then the last thing I wanna let you know is uh, whenever we get together again, which we have no idea when that will be, we just, we don't know, uh, but we want you to start thinking now about how you will re-engage us in the, uh, those times to come, how you will re-engage here at the church uh, and volunteering. So be thinking about that and be thinking about how you can volunteer and engage right now. Uh, there's ways that you can serve and you can help out. If you wanna know how to do that, just contact us, post it in the chat. We'll be sure to reach out to you. You can now receive the blessing of the Lord. May Jesus Christ, our God and our King forever be with you this day and every day, amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.